dare not look to the culture to get advice about spiritual matters. It doesn't matter who we elect in November, the problems that we're having now are still going to be there. They may be better or they may be worse for a time, but they're not gone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Aptcast, where iron sharpens iron and we poke each other with the pointy ends. I'm your host, Wes, joined actually by a special guest this week. I'll introduce him in a moment. But first, if you like what you hear, if you like what we do, please let us know through iTunes. Shoot us a five-star review. I'm sorry, five-star rating as well as a review. And let us know what you think, or as well, you can go to facebook.com slash APT podcast. We're on Facebook as well. Give us a like on the page, share the episodes as they come out uh, through your social media, and you can reach out to us uh, there as well uh, through messaging. Uh, if you like what you hear, if you don't like what you hear, any kind of comments, critiques, criticisms, Alex and I both love to hear from our listeners. Uh, and in fact, if you like the show, we'll give you a shout out uh, this past week. Jonathan Evans, thank you, sir, for liking the show. Hope you continue to listen and enjoy what you hear. Now, without further ado, our guest this, uh, this week is Kemp England. He's a close personal friend, a good friend of the show, and he has been a police officer uh, for a number of years and graciously offered some time to have a conversation with me. We were able to talk actually Monday evening, which was on the heels of a lot of various protests, riots, and whatnot that was going on across the country uh, in numerous big cities. Um, but uh, we were able to uh, really engage in a good conversation uh, between uh, two brothers in Christ, uh, black man and a white man, if you will, uh, and really helped uh, bring out some of the perspective of a police officer in this time as a black man in this time as a fellow brother in Christ during this time to help give some perspective. And I found it really uh, enjoyable and edifying. Uh, I think you will as well. So without further ado, here is our conversation. Joining me today is Kemp England, who is a 14-year veteran with law enforcement, good friend of the show, uh, co-host of the Layman's Cup podcast, and now proprietor of a coffee company. Kemp, how's it going, buddy? Come on now. It's going well. I'm excited about finally getting to be a part of a, a good podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I don't know who else you're recording with today, but thanks for being here. <laughs> I'm coming for Alex's spot. That's what I'm doing. Come on, come on, Alex. You hear that? You got competition, brother. <laughs> the more you, the more you lay out, Alex. The more I'm just going to see you having guest spots. Yeah, there it is. Well, Kemp, t tell us a little bit about um, 
who you are, where, where you're from, and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Layman's Cup for our listeners. Um, Kent, England. I'm, I'm in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. Nobody's going to know the town that I'm from, but I'll tell you anyway. It's Denver, North Carolina. We call it Denver of the East. Um, and so whenever people, I tell people I'm from Denver, they go, oh, really? And I go, no, <laughs> not that Denver. Not that Denver. Uh, but, yeah, the Layman's Cup podcast. It's with four guys, four friends sitting in the room talking theology and talking um, life matters where rubber meets the road. And uh, we, we always uh, try to up, approach those uh, issues out of a, from, from the lens of the gospel, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ shaping our hearts and minds. So now we take on uh, being a father, being a husband, uh, being a good steward, being a good employee. So all those things, we just do life together, man. And, uh, we don't take ourselves too serious. Um, but we know when, when things are, when things need to get dressed. So, uh, I hope you guys give it a list. The lady, come, come be a part of the ladies' army. Yes, sir. And uh, while while you're there, uh, stop in and have some good coffee at Layman's Coffee, Layman's Cup Coffee dot com. Did I get that right? Yeah, man. Layman's Cup Coffee dot com. You've had some already. I, I'm actually having some now. Now that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, man. I can't can't interview a layman without sipping on the brew. <laughs> now I, I'll be honest. I have not received my Kemp and Bob's brews yet, but I've still yeah, got I... some some Wes and Sean's uh, beans left over. And I've got them mixed, and uh, okay. I made a little cold brew out of it. And I'll tell you, they they pack a punch together. Yeah, they do. West Lubin. That's me, Kemp England. Are we recording right now? We are. are. We recording we... right now. <laughs> check, check, test one. Listen, all, all of the the Layman's Army is going to be listening to this. I want you to tell everybody the proper enunciation of your last name. Oh no! We've gone through this a dozen times. <laughs> I, you know, ever since the flaming cow meme, I have not <laughs> wanted to correct you at all. I, I love that okay. so much. Every time I see Moo burn, I just want to go, you know yep. what? That's it. That That's the new pronunciation of my name. The, um, the, now, now I wish I hadn't asked this question. <laughs> Technically, it is Mewburn. Yeah. That, that, yeah. I knew that. That's the the right burn is way. correct. The Mew is more like what a kitten would say. Like Mew Burn. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean the flaming cow, that's just that's too good to pass up, man. I can't it is. So I and I will answer to anything. Believe me, I've been called worse. Absolutely. <laughs> people say people say a soft G in Wes's last name, so it's always West Bellinger. But it's actually West Bellinger. It's a hard G. Yeah. But he'll answer and trust me, Wes has been called worse. <laughs> yeah. I don't doubt that. I've seen him on Twitter. Before he quit, <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I worked in a uh, pawn shop uh, for about five and a half years before I came to the bank, and we would have people come in all the time and want to see the the Dillinger in the case. And I'm like, that's it's not a Dillinger uh, firearm; it's a Derringer. <laughs> <laughs> and you get you, you get those things, and you you hear them so frequently, you just get uh-huh. past it. And so, fo- yeah. folks like us, when people mess up our names. We just roll with it. We roll with it. Yeah. We roll with it. This the, is how we say it where I'm from. We get people, uh, people come in the ABC store in North Carolina uh, and say, they, they want to, uh, okay, so I, let, me, let me spell it for you. C-I-N-T. What's that word? 
P-I-N-T. I'm thinking yeah. pint. That's a pint, right? Yeah. But but with a very southern uh, uh, draw, especially in the black community, it's pint. Oh, yeah. Let me get a pint. Let me get a pint. Yep, that sounds so about I just, right. I just, I just, I just, I just uh, beat up your Urban Dictionary. Oh, oh, believe me, I, I, I'm in Alabama. <laughs> we, we are the deep <laughs> South. I have heard all kinds of stuff just like that. I mean, I, you, as soon as you said it, I know what part of Alabama that you're in <laughs> when you hear that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So West, West, West Mooburn gets to come to the, to the cookout. Yeah, that's right. All right, so talk to me, man. How, how's it going down there? How's it going? I mean, Birmingham is, is on fire. Everybody else is on fire. Not everybody, but a lot of cities right now. All the big cities are on fire. It seems like every. It seems like we got uh, people who are just driving in to stir stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. J- just long enough to get arrested, get bailed out by Hollywood, and move on to the next city. I, I think that's yeah. that. That seems to be what's happening. You know, you I've, think that's a real thing? You think that's a real thing? Or you think that's conspiracy? I I hesitate to lean toward conspiracies. Um, but you know, in something like this, if you think that the that there's a conspiracy and, and it's not true, then you've got uh, local leaders saying things like, you know, 20 of the people we arrested last night are from out of state. So how many local mayors and police chiefs are in the pocket of this conspiracy? And if you, and if you don't believe that they're in the pocket, then you've got to believe the conspiracy that somewhere someone is funding people to go out of state to start up violent protests so it's like a catch twenty two. No matter which way you go, there's a conspiracy either way. Yeah, and I hesitate to to go that route. So I, I look at things at face value a lot of times. And this is this is actually one thing I wanted to talk to you about because originally when I asked you to be on, one of the things that uh, I wanted to discuss was how legitimate is it to draw conclusions based on the uh, video that you see in the news or on uh, sites like YouTube. Because we know Photoshop is a thing. Pictures get manipulated. We know uh, news outlets have their own particular biases and can cut video. And even if you have full video and accurate audio, you don't know what's going on around the camera lens itself. You don't know what's happening behind the person shooting the camera off to the side. You don't know the ambiance. So, so it, even if you see something like George yeah. Floyd that looks clear cut, is it yeah. legitimate to come away from just seeing that one video and say, this is clearly murder? So two things. As a police officer, I would say I really appreciate you and the people who think like you. So when a police officer looks to be clearly condemned on him, you say to yourself, I, I want to make sure I have the full story before I before I condemn the police officer, before I cast any judgment. I want to make sure that I have the full story uh, before I do that. That being said, um, it's also fine to change your mind once you get new information. So if you see the video and you say, that is very damning, and and it was, um, if 
and you make you make your judgment right then. If you get new information 30 minutes later or or, or three days later, it, it's okay to change your mind and re, and you know back up and punt uh, and say, okay, I, I didn't have all the information. Now I think something different. We all, we only can form our opinions on what we know. Now, in this case, we we have the whole story. We got the whole story. We have. We even have more information coming out about this particular officer yeah. uh, with his track record at the PD. He should not have even been on the road. He shouldn't. He should have been at best. If he still gets to keep his badge, he should have been behind a desk. Yeah. And I don't even know if I don't even know if I want this guy taking down my information. I mean, I, this, 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 I don't know. I don't know how much you know about him, but he had like multiple uh, internal affairs investigations open on him right now that's that's the information that i have yeah i'd seen some of that and that that's where specifically not just um this particular instance but police in general i am an extreme layman and and yeah i want to give as much grace as i can coming into it and i want to uh, hold off until we have the information before making uh, any particular judgments uh but even if we say, all right, he's guilty, that's that's the case. When it comes to the impact of this information, I don't know what it's like on the other side. So I don't know, um, you know, whether an IA investigation leans toward, you know, con- condemning having him out there or not. And, and I'm not sure what all that means. But you coming in as a professional – as a yeah. as a police officer to step in and say no ba- based on that if anybody's got that in their file they shouldn't be out on the road it makes me more comfortable to step out and say okay I'm with you yeah if I I'll put it this way if if I generate if I have several internal affairs investigations on open on me right now different complainants and different complaints dates and times there's no way I'd still be on the road until we close some of these. There's no way. And and what's going to happen probably is I'm going to get fired. Because one one might be unfounded, one might be bogus. Five, six, seven, we're starting to, we, we've got to get you off the road and get you some more training. Yeah. Because you're, you, whatever it is, if it's not egregious, let's say they're quote-unquote minor complaints, and we've got five or six of them, we've got to get you into some more training. We got we got to get you back in skill training, or we got to get you to some professional training, so you know how to do your job without getting complained on. I mean, people are going to complain about getting tickets. People are going to complain about getting arrested. But, so, I mean, I, I can make an arrest. I mean, I, I'll make ten arrests, a hundred arrests, and not get complained on. Well, and and also too, even if the full story of all of those complaints, uh, the full allegation isn't true, if Twenty yeah. percent of it's true. You've got twenty percent of five different ones, and yeah. how many of those details are overlapping over the course of yeah. that? And when you get those kinds of multiple corroborating witnesses, it does start to build up. We we got an issue. Yeah, we got an issue. And and that kind of leads to another question that I have: is how um, standardized is training for police officers nationwide? I know I was listening to y'all's latest episode earlier today. You and, uh, yeah. is it Bill? Brian. Brian, Brian, yeah. yeah. Uh, listening to you and Brian talk, and it sounds like both of you 
did or have done instructing in the past. Yes. Is that just a local thing or is there national standards that this training has to be made to? At minimum, it's, uh, it's statewide at minimum. Okay. So, um, the North Carolina standard is basic law enforcement training. It's PLE is what we call it. Basic law enforcement training. That's our police academy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's 600, I think 644 mandatory hours of the same information. Um, subject control and arrest technique, that's how you subdue somebody. That's how you get a person under arrest. That's how you put handcuffs on people. That's how you search people. Subject control arrest technique. Um, there is a, there is a state standard to how we do that stuff. And, um, no, no academy is going to stray away from that. What they are going to do is maybe somebody could add to it, add a little something to it. But even if they add something to it, it's not going to be um, it's not going to be anything that uh, it's not approved by the state. Okay. It's got to be approved by the state. So you know, no nobody's this. And I know what you're asking. Nobody, no academy is teaching you to put your knee in someone's neck. Right. Well, no academy. And I read an article, and, and this speaks to my ignorance uh, on on the issue. One of the articles that I read did indicate that the technique he used was approved by um, that particular jurisdiction. I think it was Minneapolis City. Um, whether it was reflective of the county or of the region or of the state, I don't know. But is it even possible that that type of technique would fit under the umbrella of what's acceptable force in a situation like that. No, the technique. I mean, we we can put our drop our knee down on a subject, but you're taught to drop your knee down in the middle of his back. Yeah, not not on his neck, in the middle of his back. Um, so your knees up too high if you're on his neck, plain and simple. Yeah, and. The, the fact that he was a, a rather large individual and even with handcuffs could potentially uh, create some kind of leverage, um, even in that situation, that's not an acceptable technique. That's not an acceptable technique. As a matter of fact, when you have handcuffs on him, if his hands are behind his back, I've been doing this 14 years, um, I've never had someone hurt me when I put handcuffs on so rare. Now, is there a Jason Bourne out there somewhere? Sure. Sure there is. But generally, that, that's not the case when we're arresting guys for forging, forging a, a passing a bad deal, a fake deal, or writing a bad check. Generally, that's not the case. Okay, yeah. Well, clearly, um, that, that's not, that should be the exception rather than the rule. Absolutely. Okay. And, Absolutely. And I don't know when this was done, but there was also a picture taken that showed two other officers lower on uh, Mr. Floyd's back, uh, back in legs. At that yeah. point, it, it seems to me, just looking at it, that one of those other officers, even if um, that placement was considered correct, if it was one person, e- even just assuming that for a second, one of yeah. those other two officers should say, hey, man, we, we've got this. You can move your knee or you can lay off. 100%. You call yourself a layman, but uh, the biggest part of my job is being able to exercise common sense. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, one thing I think we can all agree on, regardless of what industry we're in, common sense is unfortunately not so common. So I, I've got to ask questions that seem basic because sometimes they are, and sometimes I find out they're actually not. Uh-huh. And, you know, looking at that, I'm thinking, surely one of those guys would, would tell him to back off. And even if they didn't, when the guy you have subdued, your knee on his neck, if he's using what little airflow he has to say, hey, I can't breathe. Right. I mean, your right. position um, as a police officer is number one to protect and serve. A a am I right? Absolutely. And that would include recognizing that even suspects, even perpetrators of crimes have rights, have the need to be protected. We have a, what we call a use of force continuum. And there are, there are different levels of force that you can use based on your ability to affect an arrest. So if my, my presence alone is the first rung on the ladder, ladder so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, it's officer presence. That, that, that's considered use of force. If my presence alone can get compliance, I don't need to go any further. If my presence alone doesn't get compliance, then I use verbal commands. Verbal commands is the next rung on the ladder to go up. So we go uh, officer presence, verbal commands, uh, open hand, uh, soft hand, hard hand, uh, less than lethal, and then deadly force, lethal force. Um, so it's, so you're, you're sort of going up the run. Now, we don't have to go through all those stages necessarily. If I show up on the scene and a guy's got a gun pointed at somebody, I'm already in deadly force. I don't need to say, stop, put the gun down. I mean, that's that, does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. And, and I kind of had a, had a flashback. You know, I was... Believe it or not, I was a bit of a troublemaker in high school. I don't know if you were. 97 camp over there. When we're hanging around on a Saturday night in an empty parking lot, you know, a group of 20, 30 high schoolers kicking around, not all of us completely uh, within the bounds of the law. A police officer rolls up in the squad car and just flashes the lights one time. We scatter. That, that's it. That, that's right there, presence. And... For those who those stragglers who hang around for whatever reason, when that megaphone comes on, that's that verbal. Right. You know, I, 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 as you're saying that, I'm thinking, I'm putting myself in those situations. Oh yeah, I've I've witnessed this continuum. This makes sense. And this is down here in you know Birmingham, Alabama, Jefferson County. You're uh, right. in Charlotte, North Carolina. So this is something that transcends state boundaries. One hundred percent. Everybody, I, I guarantee you, I, I haven't had any police training. Or in any other state, but the, the use of force continuum is, is probably, if not exactly the same, it's very similar. I feel like even though I'm trying to give benefit of the doubt to the police, the more questions I ask, the worse it looks for this particular officer. And I, I forget his name. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know his name. I, yeah, I, I've seen, I've read his name, but I don't. It's not sticking with me. The victim's name is sticking with me more so than anything. Yeah, I mean, George Floyd is going to be a name we remember for a long time, I think. Right. I mean, it's it may be premature to say this, but Go ahead, sir. it seems like with the impact, George Floyd may be our generation's Rosa Parks. Wow. It's, it's certainly been impactful like that. Man. I'm, I mean, uh, 
for, for better or worse, I mean, certainly the, the response uh, is not equal, but the name recognition and the milestone before yeah. the response, I, I, I think we could be looking at something similar to that. Well, I, and I'm telling you, we've had, like, we've had George Floyd and we've had Ahmaud Arbery, which is not police. Not, it wasn't a police right. thing, but we've had too many of these names that we're having to remember and say. And the ones that are clear-cut, like, I, I, I keep having to have these conversations. I, I told Wes, uh, my Wes, Delegate, the other day that uh, it was it, I, my body. I'm not exaggerating with my body is physically tired when I think about having to have this conversation again. Not in this fashion where we're having dialogue about, you know, current events and things that are going on, but having to have this conversation with my black friends to say not all police officers are bad. Like, I, how many times am I going to say that to my black friends before it becomes white police? And, and the thing about it is they know all police officers are not bad. They know that. But I keep having to revisit that conversation, and it's it's, it's tiresome. Yeah. And so, uh, and then I have to have the conversation with my white friends to, to to explain how how a group of people who don't have a means of it, who don't think that they have a means of expressing their frustration, turn to looting and violence and rioting. Like I'm have I'm having to do this thing too many times and it becomes tiresome after a while you know lord jesus come quick right yeah you know it's it's interesting that that you you phrase it that way because one of the things that i was thinking of this morning in the aftermath of the the riots we had in, in birmingham last night is what originally got the crowd stirred up what originally was the galvanizing point for everybody was this 55 foot uh confederate memorial in the middle of a park downtown yeah. And I really believe that had they been able to take that uh, monument down, that the yeah. rest of the night, the entire crowd would have confined themselves to that park. Videos Probably. and pictures, sitting on the monument, standing on the monument, kicking the monument, you know, whatever. But basically yeah. having a big block party all night in downtown, nothing else would, would have happened. But because right. there was all this emotion stirred up and the outlet that they wanted wasn't available, yeah, it dispersed uh, into, in some ways, whatever got in their way. So a statue yeah. of Thomas Jefferson over here, fire at the feet. An American flag, up in flames. Um, yeah. The statue, we were, we were talking um, off the mics about um, statue of the namesake of the park. That came down with a quickness. So it just seemed like yep. they couldn't get what they wanted, so they spread out and got whatever they could. What, what was it that actually prevented them from taking down the monument? Um, well, it's concrete with rebar, and they oh, were trying so to pull it down with um, you know, lock ties and one maybe four-wheel drive pickup truck. Yeah. So just the structure itself wouldn't come down. Yeah. I mean, it didn't stop them from you know, vandalizing it, spray painting it, chipping away at it with whatever implements they had on hand. So, I mean, it's basically t torn up completely, but it's still standing. Yeah. Um, this thing runs deeper, man. It runs deeper than police brutality. Um, it shows up. It seems like police brutality is the igniter. It's the trigger. 
It's 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 the doorway. It, it seems like yeah. there, there's what whatever's happening that's causing this to bubble up. That's that's what this release comes through. It, it seems like yeah. because Birmingham, for example, my entire life, right? And I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say for the record, I hate the intersectional game. I hate having to specify black and white. But for yeah. the purpose of this discussion, we've got to get out of our comfort zone and That's ask right. questions we, that we don't like and, and adopt worldviews we don't like just for the sake of argument. Right. But right. My, my whole life, three and a half decades on this planet, Birmingham has had a black mayor, has had a predominantly black city council in a county with a predominantly black county commission. Um, I'm surprised to hear that. I had no idea. And talking before, uh, working at a pawn shop in the Birmingham area, as long as I did, we worked with local law enforcement, not just with Birmingham, but Jefferson County sheriffs, uh, local municipalities. The vast majority of the law enforcement that I dealt with was black, yeah. which which tells me, and again, I, I want to give as much grace as I can, but it tells me that this isn't even a race issue. You don't think? Just Just from that experience, because if it had, this would have been solved a long time ago. As soon as we got the, the quote-unquote black leadership in, yeah, that would have been a campaign issue, monument gone, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's well said, man. It's, it, it just seems like politics uses race as uh, gambling chips to, to use during the campaign. Yeah. And for the populace, all it takes is one, one event like George Floyd to where enough is enough. Right. And, and, you know, we get those um, comparisons to, well, y'all didn't like Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. And and so now you're telling the the protesters to to chill out and and protest nonviolently. You don't really want any change. And it's like, oh, no, that's not it either. Like, where's the the middle ground? Where's the, the place we can come together on this? And if we don't understand what's really going on, we can't find that that meeting ground. Right. And hey, that hey, seems to be where we are. Hey, Wes, give me one second, okay? I got I got to hand it. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll be right back. Okay. Yeah, this happens sometimes when you're talking with somebody as busy and important as camp is. Uh, so in the meantime, uh, while we're taking a break, thought it'd be a good opportunity to remind our listeners, Layman's Cup podcast, where you can hear Kemp and the rest of the layman chop it up over a cup of coffee each week. Also, if you like coffee, laymanscupcoffee.com. You can get uh, a bean for each of the layman. Check them out. It's really good. Uh, and without further ado, let's get back to the conversation. All right, so we're back to it, brother. Um, yeah, continuing where we left off. Yeah, uh, and we left off with uh, the policing. Police brutality seems to be the doorway um, for um, the the rioting, or the, it's the trigger that everybody uses. And I think yeah. you were hit. I think you were leaning into it, man. We we know what the the real issue is. You said race is not the problem, and is that what you said? Is, did I did I get you right? You said. Right. Yeah, it, it seems like it's not because for three and a half decades, all of the political leadership and yeah. and the 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 area of Birmingham is predominantly populated by uh, 
my, my black brothers and sisters. Yeah. So if if it was a purely race issue, yeah. I did not know that. I'm I'm surprised to hear that. Yeah. Um. Just to kind of catch you up on 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 some Central Alabama history, um, yeah. after after the civil rights um, era uh, was concluding, you had what what was called white flight, and I'm I'm sure this happened in in multiple um, metropolitan areas. But the yep. the specific Birmingham city limits, you had white families moving to suburbs. So we've got gotcha. nearby towns that are uh, predominantly uh, white populated. But the Birmingham proper is far and away majority black population. So and that's yeah. where the university is, right? Uh, the University of Alabama at Birmingham, yes, sir. Yeah, maybe. So I think we both know, uh, and probably all of our listeners. Race is not the problem. Um, race is one of the things that um, is a result of the problem. Yeah. Right? Race and racism. Yeah, just the categories of race like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, the root problem, sin, shows up in racism and sexism and classism. Um, and nobody's really... The, the world doesn't have the, the, the tools to deal with the fruit because they they can't they can't uh, cut down the root if that, if that if that makes sense yeah like the Holy Spirit indwells the church we don't have a black church there is a black America and a white America but there is no white church black church now I know that people are listening going well sure there is sure there's a, a white church but by proximity yes there is. Right. In a white neighborhood, there's a white church. Um, but according to God's word, there is no Jew or Greek anymore. There is no male or female. I'm saving for myself one people, a people, a church. That's right. It's not. It's not. We're not divided up like that. So we have the information. We have. The, we have the theology. We have the doctrine to deal with these things when they come up. Not to say that they won't arise in the church. But we have the tools and the doctrine and theology to deal with these things and cut them down. Amen. Yeah, and using that fruit and root analogy, I, I really like because in, uh, the illustration, or one of the many illustrations that Jesus gives is a good tree bearing bad fruit uh, and yeah, uh, good, good tree bearing good fruit. And it seems like, as a culture, we recognize the bad fruit, but we're content to just to pull that fruit off. Like yeah, we're man. expecting good fruit to come with the next harvest, and we don't deal with that root issue. And every harvest, yep. we're surprised. That's right. That's right. Well, Jesus is the root, right, for us inside the church. Right. And, and whereas the world doesn't have the tools, have oftentimes that. the church doesn't use them. Hmm. Hmm. Well, but, and, and sometimes, so when we look around in the church, I think sometimes when we start saying, you know, what's the answer to this? Um, we we dare not look to the culture to get advice about matters, spiritual matters. Right. We dare not look to the culture. They're looking for uniformity. They're looking for policy. They're looking for laws to fix everything. Government is not going to fix our problems. We've got... Uh, Donald Trump saying, Chris, Chris Rick said this in his sermon the other day, Donald Trump is saying, uh, when they lose, we shoot. And we've got, so, so everybody, everybody's upset about that. 
right? Yeah. All, everybody on the left is upset about that. All of my black friends are upset about that, and they should be upset about that. But here's the problem: the guys that they're going to vote for said, if you if you got a problem deciding between me and Donald Trump, you ain't black. Yep. These, these people have no idea. They they know nothing of reconciliation. Government knows nothing of reconciliation. They pretend they do, but they know nothing of it. This sounds contentious if you don't know, if you're outside of the faith, it's going to sound contentious, but we have the answer. We have the answer. It's the true. church has the answer. When it's done right. Yeah, and, and that's that's a problem that the church seems to have, and, and I'll put myself in this category too, because when we get to a point that's that's hard, that seems insurmountable, um, we we just fall back on platitudes, yeah. right? G- just give it to God. Yep. Well, that that only goes so far, you know. Yeah. You, it, when, when you when you're ministering to people, we, we can't just, uh, you know, go and be blessed, right? We we've got to reach them. We've got to meet their needs, and, yeah. and we we've, we've got to to help, like like you said earlier, do life with them, right? We we've got yeah, to yeah. to to meet people where they are. We've got to show, not just say, we're on the right side. We've yeah. got to actually act it out. And for, for a lot of people, for folks like me, that's really difficult um, yeah. in, in a, a host of different circumstances. But you're, you're right. We can't, we can't look at the, the culture of the world and think we're going to get our problems solved that way. We can't elect Boy. Donald Trump on the hope that he appoints justices that overturn Roe v. Wade. Like, that's just so many levels of dumb, right? And similarly, it doesn't matter who we elect in November. The problems that we're having now are still going to be there. They may be better or they may be worse for a time. Yeah. But they're not gone. They're not gone. They're not gone. Uh, I I want to go back and and ask you a question about something, about the monument. Um, So, and I appreciate you and I appreciate all my brothers and leaning in and said, hey, help me help me think through some things. But I, I want to ask you something. Have you been born, I mean, well, have you been in Birmingham or in Alabama your whole life? Yeah, born and raised. When you, and you're pretty, you're, you're, you're pretty big on the history. You're like a history buff, right? Uh, from you time like to history. time. Yeah, but when, yeah. It, when it comes to some of this stuff, Birmingham's got a lot more history than even I've been able to get into. But, but yeah. Yeah. So, so one of the things I, I asked through and I want to hear no, and don't worry about hurting my feelings. Okay. But how do you how do you feel when a Confederate monument in your in your city and state comes down? Or how do you feel when a Confederate monument is attacked, so to speak, in your city and town? As a as a white guy from Birmingham who who likes history, how do you how does that make you feel? You you know that was a much more hypothetical question before this weekend. Uh, because yeah. it's something that we haven't had to deal with. Um, yeah. And, and I'd be lying if I said there wasn't some kind of tug to to maintain the structures simply because of history. Yeah. But yeah. as I'm watching the monument itself get chipped away and trying after trying of, of uh, pulling it over with the truck, I found myself thinking, you know what? I'm okay if this goes away. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'm, as in general, I'm not a fan of monuments to human achievement. Okay. I, I'm not a fan of statues. Um, 
I'm not a fan of monuments um, in general out on display. In um, museums, perfectly okay with. So if, if this particular Confederate monument gets um, taken down and put in a museum or moved somewhere, that's fine. At the same time, though, and, and I was having this conversation with my daughter this morning, um, I wouldn't mind it staying up without being repaired either Ooh. because it serves to show an example not only of a past of uh, sins of quote-unquote white people and uh, the link to slavery in the Confederacy, but now it serves to show the present sins, or, or at least more modern sins, of quote-unquote black people. And it, it helps to kind of bridge those two worlds together to say, look, it's not just a black or a white thing. We're all broken. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of the profanity spray-painted on it, but if, if they clean up, you know, some of the profanity and leave the rest the way it is, leave the sides chipped away and defaced and just leave it as is, I'd be okay with that too. Yeah. That hug that you felt when it came down, what do you think that was? Um, well, the, they, they never actually came down, but watching it um, as the attempts were made, um, I, was, I think I was more broken, honestly, for the people involved. Yeah. Because I found myself thinking, look, even if this does come down, it's no different than electing your particular candidate in November. It's not going to make these problems go away. Yeah. And I, I've, I'm in a unique position in, in my industry. My workplace is probably 70, 80% black. Okay. Um, so I, I, I work with a lot of people who are uh, um, sensitive and maybe even supportive of the events last night. Um, uh -huh. I've had numerous conversations in, in this regard. Um, but there are a lot of people who aren't as willing to have difficult conversations as I am. And I, I couldn't help but think how difficult future conversations would be with them. Yeah. Right. What is this showing the white world, for example, or, you know, the white people out there, um, of what it's like to have this conversation if they're met with this level of violence. Yeah. Right. Is this going to be what comes at them in the workplace? So maybe I just back off altogether. Oh, is it, yeah. Yeah. It's the, oh, I don't talk. You know, the, the two things we don't talk is politics and religion. And now, now we're going to add race on that. I don't talk right. politics, race, and religion. Yeah. yeah. That kind of thing. I mean, I don't mind. I mean, I, I make my wife, crazy anxious with some of the conversations and arguments that I get in on social media and uh, with, with friends that we have, because I'm willing to stir the pot and push the buttons to get those conversations going. Um, and sometimes I push them a little too far. I get it. Uh, I mean, but I'm willing to err on the side of voicing these concerns. I'm willing to take charges of being a racist because I know I'm not and I can deal with it. But yeah. not everybody is yeah. built like me. There's a lot of people yeah, who would yeah. look at that situation and go, you know what? I'm just going to stay out of it. Yeah. And, and that doesn't help anybody either. Well, you just tell Jess so the next time she gets on you about that, that Facebook is a great place to have dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we joke about that too. But, you know, I, I'm, I make memes and poke fun at, at my own perspective on issues too. So, you yeah. know, I, and that's, that's another reason why I feel 
more empowered to step out because I don't take myself so seriously. Absolutely. You can't, man. Listen, I've been, I have been a victim of the West moving news. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I destroyed a whole network according to this. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, not according to me, man, just according to facts. <laughs> uh, well, that's interesting, man, to hear you say. I, I, I'm, I'm curious to know, and I, I have to brace myself for, so this gives me practice. I have to base, brace myself for the answer that I might get from a white brother who says, I, I don't want to see Confederate monuments come down. I mean, Sean, Sean will tell you he doesn't want to see monuments come down. Yeah. And I, uh, I heard, I've heard that conversation on your show before. Yeah. I mean, history, but I, I my, 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 my rebuttal to that would be, uh, and I, I am not the authority for all black people. I don't speak for all black people. I'm just a guy who happens to be black. I have that lean, right? Right. Uh, but I will say that most, most all the black people that I know and have, have relationships with, when it comes to stars and bars and the word, the word Confederate, um, it's, it's, it's a bit of a trigger. Um, and, and people are always assuming the worst when it comes to Confederate, Confederate monuments, Confederate flags, Confederate, uh, reenactment, you know, going up to the, the, re- the Civil War reenactment. We want nothing to do about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by and large, African Americans are, um, not very fond of all things Confederate. Yeah, don't get me wrong. You won't see me donning blue or gray in any reenactments, <laughs> ever. <laughs> I yeah. got you. I but, got you. you know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to being reminded of sins of the past, um, but I'm becoming more and more sympathetic to the view that some particular displays of our history are just too painful for people. Yeah. And yeah. If, if that's... It, Looking at it, what happened last night, I mean, if it's that big of an issue, personally, I would have thought it would have been dealt with before. But yeah. clearly, that seems to be a lightning rod for so much. And if it goes away, I know that the, prob- the, the deeper issue isn't going to go away. That's fruit that we can pick off the tree all day long. Yep. But if that fruit being out of the way makes it easier to get to the root, with with anybody, yeah, I, I say it's worth it. I mean, no yeah. no monument to anything is worth sacrificing uh, the ability to bring somebody the gospel. Yeah, if, if I if I wanted to take my my post meal friends post meal patties to folks with age, I could say you know uh, we we could use this to, to make the world say why is why does this and then the church just goes on offense. We'll tell you why this is happening because mm-hmm. you're putting your hope in in, in things that are, are are perishable. There is no hope in government. There is no hope in policy. There is no hope in in law. We need law. We need policy, mm-hmm. but it's not going to stick to the root. I could put. I could. I could say, hey man, um, uh, schools are now integrated, and there is no more separate but equal. That sticks our problem with education. Mm-hmm. Or did it create a new one? Right? I mean it's yep. policy policy's good. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying down with policy. I'm not a I'm not a uh, I'm not Antifa. Uh, but we, we we 
we, I think we put our, our eternal hope in, in the wrong things, and that's where the church goes on offense. Um, but when the world starts asking, and they don't realize that they're asking a spiritual question. Yeah. They don't realize it. Um, but you said something interesting, man. You said uh, images that, that, that remind you of the past. Um, I was telling um, one of our associate pastors today that, and I think I told Pastor Christian today too, that um, these stories for young black kids are passed down from gener- handed down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. So, so a young a young Kent England who was raised by his grandfather was told how to deal with the police and why not why I shouldn't date white girls. Uh, not because police are bad and because white people are evil, but because black people have a hard way in this country. That's that's the well he's coming out of. Yeah. And so and so when when uh, he when he's prepping me for a traffic stop, he's not telling me he is telling me to be respectful, but he's telling me to be respectful to my teacher, to my coach. To, I mean, that's a different type of respect that that he wants me to show the police officer. And it's not because he was teaching me to have reverence for the law. It was because he wanted me to survive the traffic stop. And and so when a white police officer approaches my vehicle, he has no idea generally that I've been told, I've been handed these stories down. Yeah. And I have a different level of anxiety when he approaches my vehicle. And and many many black males in America have been handed these stories down from generation to generation. So then when we see a white police officer with his knee on a black man's neck, it triggers something. And yeah. it, 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 it reminds, it's an image, like you said, it's an image that reminds us of a very dark history. And I told another friend of mine this, you know, I, men, men in particular will say, we'll, we'll mask our hurt feelings with anger. Yeah. We'll lash out. And just just in day to day relationships, if you say something that hurts my feelings, well, I can't let you. I can't really express my sadness. I have to. I have to say something. I have to cut back because mm-hmm. I don't. You know. And so people not knowing how to express the hurt, it, it turns up in looting and rioting and setting things on fire. I think Killer Mike. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, uh, yeah, I did. Oh my gosh, man. He was angry. He was mad, and he said it. He said as much, but but he was broken and weeping as he was telling, uh, giving his speech, and that comes from a place of hurt. Yeah, it's sad, and I think I think if people had had a better way, a more intelligent way of expressing the hurt and the pain, and and saying having a West movement they could call and say these stories have been passed down to me, and when I see that image, it hurts me. It reminds me of something. And it's a place that I can't allow me or my son to go back to. So I have to fight to keep from going back there. Uh, but most, you know, a lot of people don't, don't have this relationship that they can go to their, their white brother and say, listen, let's talk about this. They don't, people don't lean into this part of doing life together. They just lash out. Yeah. And, and Facebook and Twitter is a great place to lash out. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, my God. Because you you can you can rant you can speak your piece and then you can close it out, yeah. and it's it's like it never happened. You can put it out of your mind, you know, unfollow, yeah. stop the notifications, and I'm done. Yeah. 
you know, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned these stories passed down because I, I don't want to say it's it's white privilege, although it could be. I don't want to eliminate the, that that possibility. But yeah. when, when you talk about the, or not you, but when, when the comparison is made between the traditional or the stereotypical black household with uh-huh. poverty, right? Uh-huh. There are a lot of parallels to my own upbringing. I was raised by a single mom. I was uh, raised in a low-income home. Um, I went to city school, public city schools, where I was the minority race there. Wow! Right. So I went. I went to school with these kids. I played football with these kids. I played soccer with these kids and basketball. You know, down the street, outside of school, I went to Cub Scouts with these kids. Like I, I, I knew these people growing up. These, these were my friends. I never had that kind of lens to say, okay, this is a white world, this is a black world. We, we lived for several years in a very poor um, apartment complex. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, that, that's just the way it was. So, yeah. you know, I, I can hear, for example, um, you know, stand-up comedians like Eddie Murphy or uh, Dave Chappelle, and I can empathize with a, a, a lot of their stories because they are similar to stories I have growing up. They're not exactly the same because, you know, it's going to change from person to person. But I don't have, you know, a, a memory of, you know, growing up with a silver spoon in my mouth. Mm. Right? And, and mm. it, I can't come to the conversation, though, and say, well, I don't see color because then it's my white privilege talking. And, yeah. you know, that shuts down the conversation. So I've got to be uh, more strategic, for lack of a better way to say it, when stepping into these spaces uh, because even now, um, you know, professionally, even though most, uh, most of my coworkers uh, would be prime candidates, I'm also in a position of leadership. Well, when you have, you know, that leadership dynamic, you have the power imbalance and now we're playing the intersectionality game again. So there's so many eggshells we've got to walk on. It seems like there's so many obstacles to having the conversation and then so much frustration because the conversation is not being had. I find myself sometimes in the position of even somebody like me who's willing to rub people the wrong way, push buttons, stir the pot to have the conversation. Even I get to a point where I really don't know how to start this. Yeah. So a question I would come back to, to you and say, as somebody who has been raised in that situation of having these stories passed down from that perspective – What's, uh, I I guess, some advice that you can offer to people like me and and even people who are more shy of having these conversations of ways that we can get the ball rolling? Well, for me, for me, it would just be as simple as inviting you to a cup of coffee. Um, There you go. Let's let's find somewhere where we can can have a hot cup of coffee that takes a while to cool off, and we're going to be there for a while sitting here enjoying this cup of coffee. And we just talk. Um, let's have some conversation. It, for, if, if the person that you're thinking of has my makeup, so I, again, I don't speak to everybody. Right. But I, that, that's one way. I mean, let's just sit down. Let's go somewhere. Let's take an hour and a half of our day, you know, one time a month, and let's just talk. I want to get to know you. I want to get to know some things about your background. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think people do that enough. And this generation, the, the conversation is is an art, 
and it's probably a lost art the more we rely on our phones and, and text messages mm. and streams and, uh, rather than just, I mean, think about this. For a second. Hey, I want to, your daughter, she has a phone by now, right? Oh, yeah. How hard is it for you and her to sit down and have a conversation without either one of you looking at your phone? Um, it's next to impossible, and to God love her, it's usually me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, having a conversation, a genuine conversation where you're leaning in and you're really being intentional about empathizing and sympathizing, uh, it's... It, being a conversationalist now is, is a lost art. So yeah. we got to start with being able to sit down with people and unplug and, 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 and be in this moment right now. Uh, and I don't, Wes, I don't think that would be a physical problem if you were out with me or another guy. I don't think that would be a huge problem. You, you have to check your phone to get away from family. Yeah. But we, we can do it. We can do it if we just say, hey, honey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go grab a cup of coffee with you know, fill in the blank, and I'm probably going to be offline, you know, for an hour and a half. If you need something, call me. I'll check my phone, but I, for, for an hour and a half on this date, I'm going to be offline for a little bit. And a lot of guys have this uh, rule where my wife calls, I got, it, I got no problem with that. And I don't think the person that you're with has a problem with that. Uh, what I'm saying is we got we got to figure out a way to have a conversation. Not not a Facebook battle. And yeah. listen, I'm all for Facebook. I, I'm off on Facebook. You you make me laugh on Facebook. <laughs> I know what you're doing when you get after people. But I also appreciate some of the stuff that you that you said about some of these recent events too. Um so and and so I'm by no means am I telling you not to be on Facebook. Be active, keep be, keep doing what you're doing. But for in general, if we can learn how to have just conversation with people and be willing to say, Man, I don't know everything about everything and I, I'm not going to try and change this person's mind. I'm going to try and understand some things. And hopefully they'll hear me and they'll understand some things. And even if we disagree, maybe we're closer to the middle than we were when we got there. Yeah. That's good. Maybe yeah. In, instead of sparring with somebody on Facebook, just shoot them a PM. Say, hey, what are you doing this Saturday? Yeah, man. Especially if they're in your area. Like yeah. on Facebook, the world's flat. We could be talking to somebody in Canada. That's how to make right. That's right. But, you know, I mean, if they're in your area, if they're close to you, man, have a, go, go to talk. Go have some talk. Yes, that's good stuff. Um, another thing that stands out, um, and I don't know if this is necessarily something that should be addressed, but, hey, I'm a layman. I'm not afraid to ask stupid questions, so let's go with it. That's right. One of the that's things right. that stood out to me um, a couple weeks ago. Hey, hold, hold, hold that thought, brother. Yep. Hold that thought. You there, Wes? Yes, sir. Man, I, I, I do apologize for all the interruptions. No, it's uh, all good. So just, you got to pay the bills somehow. The, <laughs> for, all, for all the uh, ACT casters out there, I, I'm working, and I really apologize. I keep getting calls. I'm, I'm, I'm semi-on duty right now. We're in the middle of protest. So what I'm doing right now is we're doing some road repairs around the belt loop, or on the belt loop that goes around the downtown Charlotte. Yeah. And the, the foreman just called and said, there is no traffic coming. The, the protesters shut the roadway down. So oh, wow. I'm looking in my rear, I'm looking in my rear view mirror right now, and I don't see any protesters. Now, I do see some cars, so I think it's just a little uh, anxious about it. But I, I apologize for that, though. No, it's all good, man. Um, yeah, 
your question. You were asking. Yeah. So w- one of the things that really stood out, and I'm sure I've picked up on it before, but I guess the last couple of weeks, especially with you talking with your son and nephew a couple of weeks ago, and yeah, uh, talking last week um, about having sons. You know, you mentioned wrestling pastor, having sons, and having to have that conversation. It, it occurred to me that, you know, for for us guys, um, you know, having a daughter is seen as kind of, you know, karma and revenge for, you know, <laughs> acting a fool when you were younger. But I found myself thinking, you know, it's actually a blessing because, you know, my daughter's going to turn 16 this year. I don't have to have that conversation with her. Yeah, that conversation. Yeah, and so – I guess coming from that perspective, especially at our age, maybe with peers that we have, people that we would have this conversation with, is there any additional sensitivity that maybe we should bring or any advice that you can give for for those of us who don't have that particular dimension, how we can maybe use that to engage or something to be aware of to navigate while having those conversations? I think that's it, man, just being aware of it, being aware that that's a real thing. Uh, it's likely that most black teenagers, by the time they're teenagers, 16, 17, they're, they're, if, if their dad or their mom has had that conversation with them, it's likely. Yeah. Um, not, not everybody, but it's likely that they've heard that from an uncle or an aunt or a grandmother or somebody has told them, listen, you don't have the same margin of error as your white friends. And, they're, they're, the way they view life and law enforcement is through that lens. It's sad, man. That 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 deeply saddens me because on on in one breath we're telling kindergartners and, and first graders and third graders that the policemen are the good guys. The policemen are the good guys. These are the heroes. And then you have to say, but some of them might be racist. Yeah. And that, I mean, that, that, how, how, I mean, that, that hurts me to my core. To, to, and I think it's, it's not, it's not so much saying that about police officers. It's robbing that kid of his innocence. Yeah. Like and see, maybe a different ahead. dimension of that is maybe at school you come and you talk about police being the good guys. Then they go home yeah. and they're told by family a completely different story. That's happened to me before. Oh. That has happened. I've gone, I've gone and spoke to a group of kids at school, and a parent called the school and said, why was there a police officer in my son's class spreading propaganda? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so being aware, I think, uh, that that's a real thing, just knowing that that conversation happens, uh, goes a long way. We start there. We have knowledge now. Yeah. And we know that that's the thing. And I, I don't know why that's not – I didn't know that that wasn't at such a – a well-known thing, like my buddy Brian on the podcast today, he's like, I, 22 years, I've never approached a vehicle knowing that information. Ever. Yeah. And he's never known that he's been, he's been, how a black kid, or a black man, or anybody sees him when he approaches him. Because I'm telling you, this guy is infectious personality, lights up the room, he's the kind of cop, uh, Wes, that you want to answer your call. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the cop you want to show up. And uh, he, he never knew that that he, was, he never knew he was dealing with that. I don't know that it would. I don't know how much it would help or how far it would go. But I think having that information would maybe um, shape how he approaches the 
Wet weather can't hurt. More safety or yeah, yeah, yeah. It can't hurt. It can't hurt. Yeah, and it it occurs to me, um, you know, on the outside looking in, that even if there's a fundamental disagreement on whether or not there's systemic racism or that that police are actually racist or, th- or that kind of thing. In that particular aspect, it doesn't matter the reality. Just the right. perception is there and giving that space to, to feel that way and gi- giving validation to say, look, I get it. Because even though my daughter, uh, I have a daughter who's going to be 16, she's got friends who are already 16 We've already laid down the law and said, look, until they have a year clean driving, you're not riding with them, right? right. And it's not because I I don't trust them. It's not because I find anything nefarious with them. And and not that they're going to go be stupid behind the wheel and have a wreck, but there's a chance. And even if there's a chance that something like that could happen to my daughter, I'm going to do what I can to protect her. Why would I then tell somebody else, there's next to no chance this is going to happen, so you should not feel this way? That's right, man. That's right. That's right. And and the officer, uh, Jared Dalton, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, yeah. That name sounds familiar. But but what if he he was considering that his knee on this guy's neck was triggering something to the people watching? What if he had this information that, this guy already thinks I'm, I'm brutal. I'm going to be brutal. He already thinks that. What if he had that information? And I'm not saying it, it wouldn't have changed him. Because it sounds like he's pretty, pretty, a pretty bad dude. But, I mean, if we, if we had 10 of these incidents that didn't happen because he had a little bit of information, if we had 30 of these, of these incidents that didn't happen because he had a little more information, but we're taught, we don't talk about those things. We don't see color. We don't talk about those things. Yeah. We don't see color. We don't profile. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Oh, yeah. Yes, we do. We size people up all the time. Yes, we do. Let's stop, let's stop saying we don't do those things. You, you are already who you were before you became a cop. Yep. So let, let's stop saying we, we don't see color. We don't size people up. We don't profile. You're lying. You're lying. Don't lie to me. Don't lie to yourself. Yep. I'm yeah. One, one of the things we used to um, re- refer to, you know, at the pawn shop, because we were one of the few who stayed open late. So 10, 11 yeah. o'clock at night on a Friday, Saturday night, we're open. You know, only, only business that's open with us is the package door across the street. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're constantly making sure that everybody we're working with is alert and safe. And we'll say, look, if you've got four uh, gray-haired ladies by the jewelry counter and four teenagers, regardless of race, off in the corner away from the security cameras, which one are you going to focus on more? The four teenagers. Right. Has nothing to do with race. They, they could be white, black, Mexican, Chinese, doesn't matter. The, the old ladies, same thing, doesn't matter. Just the age discrepancy, you're already going to draw some prejudices, some some discrimination, if you will. That is not unjust. It's wise not in that a, situation to size it up and to at least be aware. Don't be stupid. 100%. Pro, uh, profile of somebody, put, putting them inside of a, a profile that is familiar with you doesn't mean you, um, as a, for me professionally, 
because I because I've I've looked at somebody and taught something doesn't give me the right to apprehend them. Doesn't give me the right to see them. Right. Like I have to have I have to have legal reasonable to well in the the, the the criteria for a traffic stop or the criteria for seizing anybody is reasonable suspicion in North Carolina. Gotta have reasonable suspicion. Yep. And to arrest them, I have to have probable cause. So, because I think something about a, a person's look is not reasonable suspicion. Now, I, I can work through that, but I think we're doing ourselves, we, we probably hurt ourselves in the long run by saying, I don't see color, I don't profile people. Yes, you do. It's not, it's not legal for you to see somebody based on what you think about them or what you assumed about them. Yeah. You could be wrong in your assumption, but you're doing it. I don't care, I don't care what anybody says, they're doing it. They're looking at, they're approaching the vehicle, and if it's a teenage girl, they let the dog down. That's all I got to. Yep. They approach, they approach the vehicle, and they smell weed, and it's a very large man, they're going to say, start me another unit. <laughs> you know, uh, I remember um, I was 19 or 18 at the time, yeah. uh, and a friend of mine had just turned 16, and we, it was uh, New Year's Eve, and we were out on our way to have a bottle rocket war. And to, to, to give you an idea of what turn of the century West was like, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting in the passenger seat wearing one of those like silky type uh, uh, button-up shirts that's all black, just peppered with leaves in the design. Oh, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I had, yes, I had a necklace that resembled the same leaf. A particular album comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm sitting there, I've got the long hair, I've got the scraggly face, I've got the, the, the toboggan pulled down uh, as low as I can get it. And we get, uh, the people that we're with get pulled over. So we pull up into a, a quiet, dark parking lot to wait for them to get done with their traffic stop. And another unit pulls up behind, behind us and shines his light into, walks up flashlight in my friend's face. He's 16 years old, paranoid. I've been pulled over numerous times by this point. I've had my license suspended. It's old hat for me, unfortunately. Um, but... As soon as he turns to walk away, I reach down in the floorboard to grab my drink. By the time I sit back up, my door is open. And yeah. he's got his light in my face wanting to know what I'm doing. And I didn't realize it at the time. He had his eye on me the entire time. Yeah. You know, he could probably tell, you know, in hindsight, this, this kid uh, in, in the driver's seat, he's paranoid as all get out. His buddy over here is looking calm. Yeah. I'm I'm the one that's attracting the attention. And you know, it's it's that kind of thing that I look at and go, All right, in a situation like that, don't be stupid. I already yeah. broke that rule by looking the way I did. I don't hold any <laughs> ill will toward that police officer for treating me the way he did, for, for taking me out, patting me down, setting me in the back of his car while he searched uh my friend's car. Because I was stupid. <laughs> I hold no yeah, ill will I, toward him, and I didn't push back when he asked me to step out, because I knew at that point I'm, I'm gonna let it go. Whatever happens, I'm, I'm going with it. And you know, we 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 got uh, qu we had quite the New Year's Eve that evening. S stayed out of jail, thankfully. But you know, it's that kind of thing where I, I look back and I realize 
if I had had better awareness, I would have acted differently. And so I'm constantly thinking in, in all kinds of different circumstances. And especially now we talked about this earlier in, in the culture, there's so many eggshells that you've got to walk around in so many different areas. And my job, my life relative to the average police officer is far easier and I find it as difficult as I do. I can't imagine the stress that you guys are under day in and day out, the, the men and women in uniform. And yeah. I, I see something like, like what happened with, with Mr. Floyd. And among the, the rush of thoughts that I have is for, for good cops like you, what well, does this do to your reputation? How does this change the way the next traffic stop teenager is looking at you or your partner or one of your fellow officers? We, I, I was telling somebody, you know, uh, I was telling my partner the other night, one guy does something stupid a thousand miles away and we all have to wear it. Yep. We, the 99% of us would never do what that guy did. 100% of us are all going to wear it. Yep. It's just, it's just the way it is. There's no getting around it. It's what, it's what we signed up for. If people don't, people just can't. Like, I, people will see me, my uniform's a little bit different. And so they, they go, are you, are you the real police? <laughs> uh, are you security guard? I mean, they, they, they don't really care what agency. They just want to know, is it the police? Are you, are you a cop? Yeah. And so uh, they don't—they don't care what agency is. That's police. Oh, oh, that's police. And so I, the guy in Minneapolis, his uniform is completely different from mine. Looks nothing like mine. He's police, and I'm police, and we're the same. My friends, you know, I still had when I became a cop. I got—I started getting the art, people trying to figure out, you know, are you going to you know, change? Are you officer England now? Are you still can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And every cop has to go through that. that. It, and listen, I'm not, I'm not complaining. It's a, it's a weird space, but it's one that I enjoy. Uh, it's a calling on my life. I don't, I don't, if I hit the lottery and I could come to work and just work 40 hours and nobody knew I had a bunch of money, I'd still do the job. I'd still do it. Wow. You must love what you do. I do. I do love what I do, but it's tough. It, it can be tough at times and, got to figure out a way where, for us to get our message to the people. Go, therefore, make disciples, my friend. Yeah. Amen. That's probably a good, pretty good place to land. There's still so much that, that we could uh, go into here, but wow. We don't, have to, we, don't, we don't have to say this is a one and done, man. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, I know Officer Brian, he'll, he'll, he'll come on the podcast and call him. I'll give I could set that up. We could both come on there. And I, I've got more of these conversations to have um, with, with some other officers. Uh, I don't feel like this is going to be uh, gone next week, but I think I think it'll cool off. Yeah. I think it will cool off. Last, last question, I would say. One of the things that you hear a lot in these protests is justice. Do uh-huh. you think it yeah, will man. help? In, in the the more short term next this week and the next week, the fact that uh, this officer Chauvin has been fired has been arrested. 
Do, do you think that's going to help the, these protests chill out, or do you think that um, it's going to be, let's find another one? Does that make sense? Yeah, it won't hurt. It won't hurt the situation that he got arrested. Some people don't understand the charge. Um, so he's got, people say he got uh, third degree murder. And so because people don't understand degrees of murder and what the elements of the crime, they just say he got a slap on the wrist. Well, I don't really know if he got a slap on the wrist. Minnesota, third degree murder may be a little heavier. I think what that's really close to, though, is our manslaughter. Yeah. In North Carolina. So we have, in North Carolina, we have first degree murder, second degree murder, and then we don't have any third degrees. After that, it drops down to manslaughter. And so manslaughter, you got voluntary manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter. So, you know, we have all of these different manslaughter. So I think what he got was manslaughter. I think, honestly, as, as, as much of a horrible cop he was, and as much as I, I as ugly as that thing was, I'm not sure he was, he was trying to kill the guy. I think he was negligent in his duties and it, and he killed a guy. I don't think, I don't, I don't think that I, I could say he put his knee on the guy's neck trying to kill him. Yeah. In, in broad daylight on camera. I don't think I could win that in court. I think he was negligent and, uh, Reckless in his duties and and uh, excessive in his duties. Let's say that he was negligent, reckless, and excessive in his duties, and as a result of that, we someone died. And so that is manslaughter, in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think there's I don't think there's any way we can get out of that. Yeah. Uh, but justice, justice. I, I mean, I what 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 would what would be justice in this case? Yeah. Did he spend the rest of his natural life in prison? Did he? Did he be? Did he have a death? And what's justice? That I mean, that's that's a great question. That uh, that's a great question, right? Yeah. You just say we want justice. Tell us what justice is. Yeah. But and and that's a question that unfortunately I think you can ask much more effectively than I can uh, in, yeah. in certain circumstances. But you know, I've. Man, that that just opens the door to a whole lot. So we'll let's let's put this one to rest. Let's see how this goes for the next couple of weeks, and and maybe if we're not, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize for all the interruptions, man. I had I'm working and people are calling. I've got to run up the road and check on stuff. So I, I really apologize for all the interruptions. I know it's gonna make your editing fun tonight. Oh yeah, it's gonna be great. I'll just leave <laughs> them in. I just dead air for you know. 45 seconds. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. My man. Well, listen, this is, thank you for having me on, man. Thank you for thinking enough of me to have me on your podcast. Uh, it's, it's really good to finally be a part of a good podcast. <laughs> and uh, I, I look forward to maybe uh, coming back and filling out your seat next time, too. Well, hopefully, you know, by the time you come on next time, we'll have Alex on the show and, and he can kind of tag team. The interview with me. I think that'd be fun, too. There you go. There you go. Nice save, everybody. Yeah. Nice yeah, that's it. Yeah. I got your back, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you guys can talk. Maybe you guys can talk justice next week. Yeah. Uh, really, really, none of us, none of us want justice. We don't, none of us want justice that we deserve. M- maybe we can go back to a less controversial issue like the rest of Tulip. <laughs> 
You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you know, you know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, Campman, uh, thanks again for coming on, uh, everybody. It's a Layman's Cup podcast. Go check those guys out. Great guys. Go to laymanscupcoffee.com. You get you some some great coffee. You can get the whole bean. Get the get the ground. You go the whole bean. Grind it yourself. So much better that way. Uh, cold brew, drip. However you make it, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be better than what you got right now. I can tell you that. Amen. Uh, Amen. But uh, yeah, man. Uh, this has been great. Been informative. Uh, I hope everybody else enjoyed this conversation half as much as I did. Love you, brother. I'll talk to you soon.